0: Hey, kids, welcome back to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio, and this is episode number 133, September of 2020. Our guest this month is Mark Pakis. He's from Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts, and his play, The Tinkerbell Situation, is the latest in our series of plays accepted for production or readings, but canceled because of the coronavirus. The Tinkerbell Situation features the vocal talents of Katie Spalone as Carlin... Mara Stevens as Mom, and Susie Easter as Tessa. A suburban home basement. Carlin enters. She sniffs the air and makes a face. She moves to her washer and dryer. As she's about to open the dryer door, her cell phone rings. She puts it on speaker. Hi, Mom. Lights come up on the opposite side of the stage. Mom is sitting in a lounge chair. A small side table is beside her with a book called The Doula Manual on top.
1: Hi honey, how are you? Oh, not great. How are you? Am I on speakerphone? I hate the damn speakerphone. Well, I'm about to unload the dryer, I so I don't know who's listening in when you're on speakerphone. There's no one here but you and me and the NSA. Not funny. How come you're not doing great? Oh, Tess's guinea pig, Tinkerbell, disappeared two days ago, and we can't find her. We covered every inch of the house looking for her. Oh, I'm sorry. Poor Tess has been inconsolable. She put signs up all over the neighborhood. Did you offer a reward? Should I have? Oh, no. Oh, something in the dryer smells funky. Well, you sound busy, so I'll let you go. No, no, this is the only time I have to talk to you today.
0: She looks inside the dryer, then puts her hand inside.
1: So, what are your plans this weekend? <gasps> I just touched something weird in the dryer.
0: What is it? Carlin looks inside the dryer again. <gasps> Carlin slams the dryer closed.
1: my ears what are you screaming for it's tinkerbell what about tinkerbell dead oh my god what she she must have climbed into the laundry basket I, i didn't see her when i put the laundry in how could you have not seen her i just tossed in my sheets and didn't look she must have drowned oh and then i put her in the dryer oh my god what am i going to do what am i going to tell tessa Tell her the truth! What else can you do? Tell her that I killed her pet! She'll never forgive me! Yes, she will. No, she won't! She holds grudges! At her last birthday party, her best friend Emma forgot her birthday present at home. Tessa told her they could no longer be friends. And she meant it! Emma's mother begged me to get Tessa to forgive her, but Tessa absolutely refused. <laughs> Sounds like someone I know. What do you mean? I'm unforgiving? When I suggested you get a perm when you were 14 and you hated it afterwards, you blamed me for an entire year until it grew out. Well, it was awful. I was a teenager and easily humiliated. Whatever. I'm telling you the truth. Tessa won't forgive me. She'll hate me. I can just imagine the cold hatred in her eyes whenever she'll look at me. Darling, sooner or later, every daughter looks at her mother that way. Just pretend that Tinkerbell is still missing. Eventually, she'll give up looking. That's even worse. It was Tessa's fault that Tinkerbell got out of her cage. She's always leaving her cage door open. Tinkerbell has escaped a dozen times, and then Tessa gets frantic. She says if we don't find her, she'll die. And then eventually, we find Tinkerbell behind the curtains or under the refrigerator or wherever. One time we found her riding around in our Roomba. You didn't tell me you got a Roomba? Should I get one? All of this reminds me of when Bosco disappeared and how upset I was when he never came home. Oh, yes, Uh, I remember. Oh, he was such a good doggy. It broke my heart. And I still think about him to this day and I I wonder whatever became of him. Don't you? Mom? Yes. You became strangely silent all of a sudden. Oh, sweetheart. It's about Bosco. What about Bosco? What, was he killed? Was he run over by a car? No. Then then, what happened to him? You see, one night, your father and I were making love, and we left the bedroom. bedroom. Okay. You see, one night, your father and I were making love, and we left the bedroom door ajar, and Bosco, I guess he heard us. He came into our room and saw what he must have thought was your father hurting me in some way, and he leaped on the bed and attacked your father and bit him on the testicles. Oh, my God. I remember the ambulance coming and taking Dad to the hospital, and you telling me it was something he ate. (laughs) What was I supposed to tell you? That Bosco ripped off one of your father's balls? Anyway, your father had to have that testicle removed, and after that, he insisted we get rid of Bosco. So I knew this lovely couple with the farm, and they agreed to take him. Weren't they afraid that Bosco would do the same thing to them? They were a lesbian couple, Hilda and Eugenia is quite a good artist. I have one of her lithographs at home. Wow. Well, I, I guess I understand. At, at least I can stop worrying about what happened to Bosco. I'm sure he lived a good long life with them, right? right. Mom? Uh, right. Hey, why don't you ask Jason to tell Tessa? Jason hated Tinkerbell. Tessa would insist he hold her, and afterwards he'd run to the bathroom and drench his hands with Purell. He called Tinkerbell a plague-infested rat. Takes one to know one. We're not going there again, Mom, are we? Uh, By the way, I I wanted to tell you, yesterday I had the most amazing experience. Remember when I told you Heather had hired me as her birth coach? Vaguely. Well, yesterday early morning she went into labor. So the midwife and I rushed over there and got Heather into the bathtub so she could have a water birth. And about five hours later, she gave birth to triplets. Isn't that wonderful? I can only imagine what the bathwater looked like after that. What an awful thing to say. Something is definitely wrong with you. A dead guinea pig is what's wrong with me. Oh. And she died in the wash with my nicest sheets, my fret linens, the one Uncle Arthur gave us for a wedding present. Just launder them again and they'll be fine. No, no, I can't. I'm throwing them out. That's crazy. I can't stomach the idea. They've got to go. Ridiculous. Why stop with the sheets? Get a new washer and dryer while you're at it. I know you're being sarcastic, but well, this is the best time of the year to buy large appliances. You're being totally irrational now. If you don't want to keep the sheets, at least sell them on eBay. Do you think I need to disclose that they were washed with a dead animal? (laughs) I'm going to say no. I might even say they're from a pet-free home. That would be an outright lie. What? Do you think the person who buys your sheets will drop by to check? I need vodka. Why don't you try some deep breathing xanax mom i'm home hi tessa how was your day it was awful i couldn't stop thinking about tinkerbell did you find her not yet i'm sorry we'll look again when i come upstairs well i should go no you can't go not until i know what to do i'm going to look for her now you do that sweetie now I'm sweating. Carlin, if you don't keep it together, Tessa will know something's up. You're right, you're right. I have to calm myself down. Wait, oh. why don't you take her out of the dryer, stuff her in a shoebox or something, and put her in your closet? And then tell Tessa that she died of natural causes. What if Tessa insists I take Tinkerbell to the vet to make sure? I- I'd have to ask them to write a letter that she died of some rare guinea pig disease or something. I don't think Bets can do that. They could get in trouble. I'm sure they'd be open to it. I doubt it. You're not helping. Call me later. Let me know what you decided. I will. Mom! Mom! I'm coming! I found her. What do you mean? I found Tinkerbell. She was in the linen closet. Huh? I found her! She's okay! I'm so happy! Come upstairs and see! I'm coming!
0: Carlin takes a few steps, then stops and looks back at the dryer. She dials her cell phone. Hello?
1: Tinkerbell is alive! What? Tessa found her hiding in the linen closet! Oh, that's wonderful. You must be so relieved. (laughs) I am. I am. But what's in my dryer? Are you sure about what you saw? It looked like Tinkerbell. I didn't really take a close look. You better make sure. I'm afraid. Whatever it is, it's dead and it can't hurt you. I know, but I'm afraid. You can do it. Okay. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm right with you, dear.
0: Carlin reaches the dryer and ever so slowly opens the door and looks inside. She is greeted with hissing and squealing. She slams the door shut.
1: It's a rat and it's still alive!
0: That was the Tinkerbell situation by Mark Pacus, featuring the vocal talents of Katie Spallone as Carlin, Mara Stevens as Mom, and Susie Easter as Tessa Stage Directions, read by Ithaca acting legend Milo Bohack. Mark was kind enough to give us a few minutes of his time, and we decided to start off with the obvious place. So where did this play come from?
2: Well, a long time ago, I had a friend who, uh, whose mother bought her canaries for her pet, and uh, every time she did, something terrible would happen to the canary. Um, the first canary she bought her daughter, uh, perched on a can of paint and fell in. And, uh, the next canary she bought her daughter was perching on a piano bench and her mother sat on it. And the, uh, third canary her mother bought her was flying around the room and the mother was afraid it would fly out the window and Closed the window and the canary broke its tiny little neck. So that was the inspiration for the Tinkerbell situation.
0: I I do not quite know how to react <laughs> to that. She stopped buying canaries after that, I, I assume.
2: I think so. Yeah, and what I'm not sure of is if she ever told her daughter, my friend, that it was a different canary that she went to replace each time uh, the canary died. That part of the story, I don't know, but it makes it more interesting.
0: Yeah, one would assume what parents will do to keep their kids.
2: Yeah, exactly. Happy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah.
0: It, it, well, it's a wonderful play. We we had a great time. Uh, performing it and recording it and thank you so much for uh sending it where was it um do you mind telling me where it was going to be performed before it got canceled
2: well it had uh the the first performance was a stage greeting at the uh core uh artist ensemble group at the barrow's stage theater in new york city it was the, uh, uh, end of October, right around my birthday was the perfect birthday present for me. And, uh, since then it, uh, was going to be performed at the Bonita Art Center 10 minute play festival, which, uh, got postponed. And so it, they did a Zoom uh, version of it and, uh, and Now it's going to be done as a film Zoom presentation by the Nicely Theater Group in uh, West Bloomfield, Michigan. It's part of their inaugural season. They were going to start, they were a new theater company. They wanted to do a big production of Pippin, and it had to be postponed, so they switched over to you know, a ten-minute play uh, festival, and they chose my play as one of their um, one of nice. their productions. And uh, yeah,
0: that's so, great. Congratulations!
2: Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: I'm I'm not surprised. This is a wonderful play. I'm I'm not surprised any other people don't fall in love with it the way we did. As you told me before we actually started, when we were talking, getting to know each other a little while ago, you're a relatively new playwright. Is that true?
2: Absolutely. I never even thought about playwriting before. uh, Until last year, I, uh, I was an entertainment copywriter in Los Angeles um, for 25 years, or probably even longer, and um, but in the the year 2012, I decided that I wanted to take a break and spend some time with my mom, who was uh, turning 90, and I realized I. Only saw her once or twice a year and I just wanted to spend some time with her. And so I moved to Boston where she lived, uh, and, uh, and it was a great experience until, um, she started showing signs of dementia and I suddenly realized that she needed me here. And so I became her caregiver and it turned out that she she had Alzheimer's and, uh, so, um, I took care of her with the help of a lot of AIDS for a few years until it it was time for her to be relocated, uh, to a better situation. And she was in a memory care unit in, uh, in an assisted living facility for uh, about four years and until she passed away, uh, on May 28th from COVID-19.
0: That's this past May 28th.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. wow. So this is for our listeners, this, this interview is being taped on June 1st. So this is only a few days after the passing of yes. yes. Yeah. And I'm yeah.
2: actually grateful for the opportunity to, uh, talk about something else. Um, because, yeah. um, you know, the creative process goes on. It got got me through the last few months of COVID, and uh, it continues to do so. So I'm,
0: yeah, I'm is, glad I
2: have that uh, ability to uh, put my feelings into words.
0: Well, we're happy to have you on the show, and we give you our deepest sympathies and regrets for the loss of your mom
2: thank it's, you it's, thank you very
0: much it's an awful hard thing i, I <sighs> several of of people in our circle here have um become victims of covid-19 and it's a terrible terrible thing to uh, to watch and to see happening and our hearts just break when whenever whenever we hear of somebody else we know in one of our circles who's who's moved on because of it um
2: it's awful and it makes me angry. And, uh, but it's, the energy to be angry is better focused to creative pursuits for myself at this point. Yeah. And for others, whatever that needs to be, ch- uh, um, channeled to it's yeah. their prerogative, you know.
0: I agree with you. I, I think that creative outlets are. Wonderful ways of sorting through your thoughts and your feelings and moving through the progression of confusion and grief that we all go through when things like this happen
2: to us. If you have the ability and you want to develop it, it's, it's a wonderful outlet.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, are you working on anything new?
2: Well, I have a, a play right now, my first um, full-length drama, that is uh, going to be uh, premiering on Zoom uh, on June 14th at 2.30 Eastern Time uh, through the Theater Resources Unlimited. Uh, they're a group in New York City that helps facilitate productions to present to the Broadway, Off-Broadway and regional theater community to see if they're interested in pursuing productions of it. And it came completely out of the blue. I'd never written a full-length drama before. I only write comedies. And mm-hmm. yeah. it was quite a shock to be accepted. And, uh, it is, we're isn't about it? Going it's a Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really. <laughs> and just you know I'd never even attempted anything like that before because I didn't think I was even capable of it but I wanted to do something that reflected my jewish heritage and uh also was pertinent to what was going on in uh in the world on the refugees situation which i think is just awful in the united states and it was a great experience writing it I wanted to illuminate a a chapter of history that few people know about when, uh, after world war two, there were all these displaced persons who had nowhere to go. They couldn't go back to where they lived and they found themselves in these camps organized by the French and, uh, British and German, no, not German, but United States. And, uh, they tried to rebuild their lives there as best they could, and they were waiting for, you know, the world to welcome them in, and it wasn't happening.
0: This is your first full-length drama, you said?
2: First full-length drama, yeah. It's wow. called No Entry.
0: Congratulations. That's that's a wonderful thing to, to to have.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I'm still in shock about it, but, yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh,
0: Understandably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, how... How much did it take out of you to actually put all those words down on paper?
2: You know, I mean, it... You know, I felt like I really wanted to say something, finally. And when you do that, it's so difficult because you don't know if what you're saying is going to matter to anybody else and anybody else is going to relate to it or not. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And... Um, you know, and drawing upon a chapter in history that m- few people know about. You don't know if anybody would even care. But it reflected so much about what was going on in the world today and the rise of anti-Semitism in, um, in the world. It just, I felt I needed to write it.
0: I understand that 100%. And as for people caring about it, oh, I think you'll have quite the audience for it because... Even if people from that particular era don't hear it, it's still a phenomenon that is happening everywhere today. Uh, it's the Syrian refugees are all over the world at this particular point, and
2: absolutely Palestinian
0: yeah. refugees and refugees from many, many countries that, that are fleeing oppression, trying to find a better life just so they can live. I I think this play will have a very large audience, so no. good luck well, with this. Well,
2: you know, I, I thank you very much. I I hope it touches as many people as um, it was intended to. So um, I'm hopeful, and I'm very excited. But just you know, the you know that that it's even happening is just remarkable oh. to me.
0: Yeah. How did one last question on this? Because I'm always interested in the craft, and I believe that every time you write a play of that kind of import, it changes you a bit. Is there anything different about you as a playwright now? I mean, have you discovered abilities that you didn't think you had, or has it changed your outlook on things?
2: It did. It did make me see myself as a different kind of writer than I ever. Uh thought I was, um, it, um, I actually love the research pro- uh, process of it and learning about all the little details and all the stories and, um, even learning about my own, uh, religion. There were, th- there are things the apply that I had no idea about until I started to explore them. Um, and, uh, it, 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 you know, when you write a historically based drama, you learn so much that you, uh, that it just becomes so powerful for you and that, you know, you can inform people about things that they never knew. And, um, uh, so it, it, it for me, connected, more connected to my um, religion, I am non-observant, and I, uh, you know, but I found a lot of the nuances very fascinating.
0: I understand. I I have no worries whatsoever that this play will reach out to other people similarly, and strike cultural and sympathetic chords with them. So congratulations on that.
2: Thank you so much. Yeah. From your lips the God's ears, as they say.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Might be a little circuitous <laughs> from from its starting point, but you never know. Mark Pecus, thank yeah. you so very, very much for sitting down with us today and talking about your work and for sending us your absolutely wonderful... Tinkerbell situation. We had really had so much fun putting this together. We wish you the best I'm with so everything.
2: Happy. I'm so happy. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.
0: Hey, kids, thanks for listening to On Stage Offstage. On Stage Offstage is produced monthly and can be heard on WRFI Ithaca Community Radio 88.1 and 91.9 Watkins Glen. All of our shows are archived and can be found at OnStageOffStage.org and also on iTunes. If you enjoy what we do, please recommend us to your friends. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at OnOffStage. OnStageOffStage believes in and advocates for a world where all people are free to live their lives as they wish, in peace and without fear. We believe in universal respect, diversity, and equality in all areas of life for all people, no matter their nationality, race, religion, age, sexual orientation, or gender. I'm George Sapio. Thanks once again for listening.